Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to Undrafted, a Dynasty Game Theory podcast brought to you by the Undroppables. I am your host, Scott Belanger, a.k.a. Jax Falcone. You can find me on Twitter at Dino Game Theory. This is episode number 150, and let's roll. And a little later, I'll be joined by my very good friend, Mr. Andrew Cooper. But to start off the show, me and Michael P. Duncan, the greatest podcast producer in the land is actually joining me on the airwaves michael p duncan what's going on my friend nothing much man you know i'm uh i'm uh, up late on the east coast because you're out there on the west coast yes, uh, i'm an old person now so apparently 9 45 is late my body is telling me but uh I'm uh I'm willing and ready to go, so yeah. I'm here to talk some football. Yeah, we got this show happening, and and Andrew's such a great dude. Like you know, a little bit of a late notice. I got him on the show, and he's 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 gonna be joining us here in a few. But he's got the baby. He's got a seven week old baby. Uh, congratulations to the awesome Andrew Cooper. I've got my kids, like they're nine and seven. They're out of town, so I've got I'm like bachelor. I'm gonna go play poker tonight. Like, can you believe this? Like, uh, unbelievable. Why are you spending your night with me? Oh, well, this is just a short, you know, this is my job. You know, this is something I have to do. You know what I mean? Fair enough. Fair enough. And if, if I'm going to share it with anybody, it's you, Michael P. Duncan. Oh, well, I appreciate that. Thank you. You know, I got some feedback from uh, last week's show for sure. Um, you know, I think uh, maybe, uh, you know, Mr. Gattieri dodged a few of my uh, value questions, which is fine, but enjoyed having him on. But, you know, I had to I had to uh, light him up on Twitter a little bit because after the show, he had he had he had stolen my line. He he plagiarized me. And I was like, wait, what are you doing? You know, I had mentioned twice on the show last week. I said, trade up for wide receivers, trade down for running backs. And then I'm just, you know, I mentioned it twice on the show. And then the next day I'm just perusing Twitter and I see that quote from him. No tag of me, no mention of the show. Hey, I was talking to my good old buddy, Jax Falcone. And I hit him up. I said, yo, where's my where's my credit? And then reluctantly he put, you know, he put my tag in there. I said, boy, you know, make sure, you know, hail to the king. Whenever I say, whenever I say I don't hate players, I hate ADPs. You know what I do? I put hail to the king, Matthew Berry. Yes, 
attribute the quote to who said it. How many times late round quarterback JJ Zacharyson invented it? Come on now, you know credit words do now, Justin. Don't 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 be that way. Am I stepping out of line here? No, no, I think I think you're right on that. Um, uh, yeah, caught, yeah. Me, caught me a certain way, but you know, y'all y'all felt it. So let's let's just get right into it. Let's have some of those value conversations that I want to have because here's the thing, man. You know, all off season, all we do is talk about rankings, right? Who we have, you know, JSN is he wide receiver one? Who's the wide receiver two? All this stuff. And then the games happen. Like, nothing happens, right? Like, well, I guess some stuff happens. Like, you know, the draft obviously happens, and that changes what we think of players. The combine happens, and that changes what we think of players. But, like, no games, no results. After and, they're drafted, there's not normally a ton of change. Right? Saved for an, an injury. Yeah, injury, I guess. and Major camp. acquisitions by teams sometimes. Yep, yep. Camp hype. And, I mean, I guess there's things that can kind of happen. But, really, it's like, we're just still prognosticating what will happen. And then yep. we go out and we see what does happen. And something like Puka Nakua happens, you know, and I'm, I'm grateful that I told our listeners, my listeners, our listeners, me and you, buddy, we, we told our listeners to go get Puka before week one. I had, te- I had uh, sent a tweet that said, you know, you can play Puka. You know, I was talking to my dynasty guys who have him rostered. It's like, if you're in a squeeze in a deep league in week one, you can play him. So I'm sure some of my listeners or my followers on Twitter were like, maybe that was the confidence they needed to shove him in a lineup in week one. And that certainly paid off. And I was playing him everywhere I had him. I actually elevated him from a practice squad on a team to play him in week two. I was like, fuck that. He ain't sitting on my practice squad, Um, taxi squad, whatever. I'm putting him in. And, you know, he returned huge value in week two. So, you know, now we see this Puka Nakua two weeks straight really offering huge PPR value um, he, he's an auto, auto start at this point. He's an auto start until he proves otherwise. Well, auto starts in fantasy football are valuable assets. And so the question I want to ask, and maybe you can ask me right back, is how valuable an asset is Puka Nakua? What do you think? We'll get to all that and more right after this. Well, Jax, I want to use this uh, time to get yes. something off my chest. Uh, this is not a story you've heard. Uh-oh. Uh, it's not a story that many people have heard, actually. I think maybe only one other person. So this uh, this happened at the Scott Fishbowl draft, actually, live in Philadelphia. Uh, I was there drafting a team, obviously. Yeah. Um, undefeated, by the way. Nice. Me too. And uh, I had my buddy with me. He plays some fantasy football, but he just kind of came to, you know, see the event, all that kind of stuff. So yeah. we're sitting down at the bar. And a uh, guy comes over and he's, he's you know, I, I guess he gen- he saw me drafting or whatever. I, I don't know if he was there to draft or just kind of there for the event, but he starts talking to me about some dynasty fantasy. Yeah. And uh, he's asking for advice. He's like, yeah, you know, I, I got Pukaniku and I really like him. Um, so this is, you know, when were the drafts like late July, early August? Yeah, July. Yeah, July. So. He's talking about, hey, he likes Puka Nakua. He's showing me his team, and he's getting an offer for Puka Nakua. And among the, like, it, it, there were a lot of moving parts, but the one thing holding him back was he didn't want to give away Puka Nakua. Mm. And, you know, he, he would be getting Daniel Jones in, like, a super flex, pretty valuable. I mean, a guy that is going to produce fantasy-wise. Yeah. Um, a really, you know, low-end QB1, along with some other pieces. Like, it wasn't a one-for-one trade. I don't remember what the other pieces were. But long story short, or long story long at this point, uh, I did tell the guy to trade away Puka Nakua. Um, I said I would take the package because, like, what, like, reality, what's the best case scenario for Puka <laughs> right Nakua? At the time, he's a fourth like, round rookie pick, fifth yeah, round like, NFL pick. And right? honestly, this is about as uninformed, like, this summer, 
is about as uninformed as I've ever been on the rookies. Sure. Um, I just, I was very late getting into it. I had some stuff going on, like whatever. I gave the advice. I don't hate the advice. I think it was still coming from a place of practicality when you're looking at all the pieces. But now after week one, when I see Puka Nakua's name pop up on Twitter going off and I, I, I couldn't watch the games because I was busy on the opening week, but I see it and I send it to my friend. I was like, I hope that guy hates me. <laughs> he does. He does. And then week sure. two, I'm sitting there watching Puka Nakua do his thing. And I'm like, I hope that guy curses my name yes. every day. I hope that I have a secret arch nemesis that has like the opposite of a shrine to me yes. in like his closet with like a dartboard in my face on it. Yes. And he's just cursing my name, knowing that he listened because he did listen to my advice. He did. He came up to me at the end of the event and he told me that he traded away Puka Nakua. Um, and I, I, I don't remember who this person was. I'm not sure I ever got his name, to be honest. If you're listening somehow, I'm sorry. Tweet at me. Feel free to. I would love to buy you a beer. I feel horrible. Uh, but yeah, so all that being said, Puka Nakua is worth more than what I told that man. He should probably trade him away from well, at the in the moment, it was probably good advice, but you know, hey, everybody, every listener of this show has the uh, Michael P. Duncan anti shrine. It's actually something that, that we sell online. It's on the undroppables.com. You know, it's uh, you know some of our 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 you know gear that you can get is the Michael P. Duncan anti shrine. It's you know a lot of Philadelphia stuff. Uh, it's basically uh, Joel Embiid holding a cup but falling down awkwardly doing it. Something that's like that. unfortunate. Yeah, that's don't yeah. like that. All right, so so uh, that was a great segue. What about Pukanakua's value now, though? Um, I uh, I'm going to ask you know Andrew Cooper about it, but I would I would ask you before we kind of you know get there later in the show, just where you think he slots in, or would you like me to give you my answer? Because clearly you have no idea what you're talking about, as per this one guy who hates you. Yeah, I, I I would actually really like to hear your answer because I've seen some wild trades on Twitter and I don't know what to think of them. I've been pretty pragmatic, you know, as much as I've been um, trying to basically tell people that I don't think this is fake. Like, I don't think it's fake. In other words, I didn't think it was like flash in the pan. I thought he was going to, you know, produce for the rest of the season in some fashion after seeing it. You know, I thought he was going to produce in week one having not seen it. So I certainly think after seeing it that he's going to continue to produce. If you would have asked me if he was going to get, you know, what was it? Uh, 20 targets. And I I would have never had 15 or he said an NFL record. Yeah. I would have never predicted that, you know, this is outside of what I would predict, but it also is not shocking to me. Uh, it's surprising, but it's not like what? Yeah, I've, I think this guy's good. Now, how far does that take him up the list of, uh, you know, look, JSN I think is still wide receiver one, although it's closer than it ever was. But I still specifically think he, in this rookie class. To be yes, clear. in this rookie class. Yes, of course. Right, just of the rookies. That's right, uh, because it's sort of trying to restack the rookies. Yeah, I think Jordan Addison for me is still there with him so yeah. I've, I've i really like jordan addison he was close for me as as wide receiver one in the class i just had a hard time ignoring the jsn profile but addison was a clear wr2 for me in this class and then it got murky for me you know i i didn't love quentin johnston i had i have one quentin johnston team <clears throat> out of all my dynasty leagues so it's not someone i'm i'm super in on uh i wasn't actually super in on zay flowers until after the drafts had already happened, yeah. I started to get more and more into him uh, yeah. as preseason training camp and into the regular season. I, I'm in. I think I think Zay Flowers is the real deal. I think that's about where Puka is. I think 
it's it's uh it's Addison then Zay and Puka and I'm not so sure I wouldn't take Puka over Zay it's very close but if you offered me any other rookie wide receiver for Puka I would easily turn it down you know which I think is probably widely uh considered but I don't think he's ahead of Addison or JSN uh do you think that's a pretty pragmatic take no oh, I think it's extremely pragmatic I, th- I think it's I mean, it's reality. It's really what it is. I mean, the NFL is telling us what they think of these players, um, both in draft capital, but also in their production. Like, you don't accidentally fall into setting an NFL record of receptions in your first two games. Like, right. you, just, you don't do that. Right. Um, we can see flash in the pans. We know what that looks like. It looks like Travis Fulgham. Right. You don't do that in your first ever, you know, your first two starts at, an, at the NFL level against, yeah. I mean, the 49ers are a legit defense. Yes. Yeah. So... Yeah, is is he going to keep on this pace? Almost certainly not. I would be shocked if he did. Um, I don't think anyone is really expecting him to. If you're right. being pragmatic about this, but the reality is, is we now know he can play. That increases his value because the biggest question about these rookies is not could they play at the collegiate level. It's can they play at the NFL level. Puka is now more than anyone else, maybe in this entire draft, other than Bijan Robinson, has proved. I can play at the NFL level. There it is. That's exactly right. Gatekeeper, right? I think Michael yep. Liu used to say that. He was like, you know, I didn't like Terry McLaurin until he was good in the NFL. Then I liked him because he's good in the NFL. What do you want me to do about yep. it? You know, he's like, gatekeeper. I didn't like him as a prospect. But that, that all that is irrelevant now because now he's done this. And it, yep. these are all just sort of, once you get through the, the it, once you're in the club, you're in the club. It's done. So I think I agree with that 100%. It's a great take. Speaking of, uh, of well, before we go to Bijan, uh, maybe some of the, some of these other guys need to be discussed. I, you know, there's some people asking me about the, you know, sort of the redraft situation with Marvin Mims. And, you know, I think a lot of people, including myself, I'm holding on to him in a couple of redraft situations where, because he went to, you know, he, he went over a hundred yards and a touchdown basically. Right. Yep. But he, yep. he didn't play very much. And he, he did on two plays. Right. And I think that was like the majority of his snaps. That's it. Yeah, he only played like 20 something percent of the snaps. It was not a yeah. lot. And so for that reason, he's a little bit his floor is very scary. It's hard to start Marvin Mims right now. Now, we can say yeah. because of that excellence that he will earn more snaps and because of his excellence he'll start to show out. I think that could be true, but until it happens it isn't, right? Uh you can't play 20 something percent of the snaps and expect fantasy production on a weekly basis. And I think it's important to note that like he was the fifth wide receiver in terms of snaps. Like this yeah. isn't twenty percent of snaps, but they mainly play in twelve personnel where they're right. only starting two wide receivers. Like he he wasn't the third wide receiver to come on. Right. No, that's a now, good point. We can argue whether or not that he's more talented and should be the third or maybe even second wide receiver. Like we can argue that all day long. We know that that doesn't matter. Right. It, it just doesn't matter. Yeah. Um but I, I, I think what we're going to see from Marvin Mims most likely is what we've kind of come to expect from the average rookie wide receiver, which is kind of starting in that Justin Jefferson year. We've yeah. noticed a trend of the second half of the season. They yeah. become actual fantasy playable assets. Yeah. Their end rank might be, you know, the wide receiver 36 or something like that. But all of the damage is done in the second half to the point where they become startable consistently over that period of time because it takes some time to acclimate to the NFL to earn the snaps that are going to get them fantasy production. And then it just comes down to the fact that they have the talent that we thought they have, which isn't always the case. But uh, with Marvin Mims, I, like we've now seen the talent. Um, and I think that's probably you know the type of thing where if you can afford to stash him in a redraft league, 
yeah, he's probably worth stashing because there have been countless times over the past few years where having that rookie wide receiver in the second half of the season is a massive, massive step up yeah. against your competition. Yeah, and I think it's like, you know, I drafted a bunch of, it's funny, I've drafted a bunch of these rookie wide receivers in those mid-late rounds. You know, the Zay, Zay Flowers, Addison, JSN, um, you know, uh, Jaden Reed, uh, yep. Marvin Mims and and it's like okay well a lot of these guys I've drafted Puka was in one of them so you know yep. I had to empty the chamber for Puka in one league got him and then sub and missed on um, Kyron which I wish I would have gotten Kyron I think yep. that, like if you could have nailed it because Kyron wasn't all that expensive after week one if you no. could have nailed Puka Kyron and then emptied the chamber for Jer- Jerome Ford and got him. That's the triumphant um, because that really changes everything. Because right now, Kyron Williams is a, is a starting running back and, a, and an alpha dog in the NFL, which is completely surprising. But, you know, yeah. going to Jaden Reed, um, I, you know, obviously I was a Marvin Mims, Jaden Reed guy in the second round. Everybody knows I was taking Marvin Mims and Jaden Reed over the likes of Michael Mayer, for, for case in point, Jonathan Mingo, uh, you know, players like that, Rashi Rice. These were the two I was taking. So, you know, I feel somewhat vindicated, although it, it, ain't, it ain't over. Uh, you know, nothing is certain. But, you know, having uh, Puka, you know, late in, in a lot of drafts, Mims and Reed, and then, you know, Musgrave and Laporta, it's feeling really, really solid as a rookie draft. Hopefully y'all were listening because, man, oh, man, right now we're feeling really good about the players we were able to get in this rookie draft. Jaden Reed, you know, what, had, I think he was like a 36% target share in this game. Uh, scores two touchdowns. One was a kind of a touchdown catch, but it was really a run. But it, awesome, awesome game from Jaden Reed. Um, I think he's going to be, you know, in, in, and maybe Tank Dell needs to be brought up there too, in that slot role that, you know, look, it's not always the most lucrative when you're slot only, but I think he's a slot player that can really uh, make a difference in the NFL. I, I really like this Jaden Reed. I like him and I agree with everything you said there. I mean, I don't know if you remember this, but like in my home dynasty league during my rookie draft, I was texting you about some of these guys between the likes of Jaden Reed, Jalen Hyatt, uh, Tank Dell, uh, Marvin Mims, that whole tier of mitting guys. Yeah. That it, it was very landing place. It was very, you know, draft capital dependent in a lot of Hyatt ways. had a big play too. Yeah, yeah, he did. Um, yeah, he was finally getting more snaps, and also the Giants stopped shooting themselves in the foot repetitively, <laughs> repeatedly. Um, but the thing that concerns me about Jaden Reed, there's, there's kind of a couple things. Like one, um, uh, Jordan Love is incredibly efficient right now. 151 yards he threw for, yeah. and he threw for three touchdowns. Yeah, one of that's them was like not, a handoff. So that's that's not going to sustain. No. Uh, on top of that, Christian Watson isn't playing. And like I, I am at least willing to believe that Christian Watson is legit based on what we saw last year. So there is a lot of there's a lot of things that make me worry about Jaden Reed in the shorter term. Um, I agree with everything you said from a dynasty perspective. Um, I'm less high on him in the short term and especially in redraft. I, th- I think the two like in a redraft league, I'd be trying to like kind of trade him. Maybe for like a more established wide receiver, like pair him with, I don't know, if someone like a Cam Akers and someone's excited about him going to, you know, freaking Minnesota or whatever, something along those lines, I'd be trying to move up at wide receiver. Um, Long term, I though, I I agree with everything you said, but short term, I'm much more interested in a guy like Marvin Mims. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, just the the, the playing time so far has been there for for Reed. So I, I like them both. I think that in a redraft setting, it has to be a deep league because... 
you know, the, 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 the likelihood that either guy really makes a difference for you, you're better off having some sort of, you know, upside running back, you know, you were better off having held Jerome Ford over either of them, you know, as it turns out, um, you know, uh, but in any case, going to the running back position, uh, I, you know, I, I said it a bunch of times, and I know I, I never really got anybody to totally agree with me, but I kept feeling like Bijan might be the best running back prospect like ever, and nobody really wanted to go there with me. There was a lot of like, well, not quite as good as maybe Saquon as a this or a that, and I'm not sure about you know, I, he, he's so fucking good, man. I mean. You know, I love all the guys, you know, Ian Harditz and whoever, you know, just putting out these videos of just, you know, um, uh, of Bijan just absolutely doing some slow-mo overhead. Yeah. Did you see that fucking shot, dude? So, so this is, this is going to, I I don't know if I'm willing. So I don't know if I'm willing. I don't know if this is more or less hot takey. You know, you're talking about kind of like greatest prospect ever. I personally, I probably wouldn't say that, but that's because I think the word prospect means something very specific. Yeah, 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 right. And I don't think that necessarily equates to the best running back yeah, or whatever. Yeah, like yeah. it's just you know prospect. Um, Saquon it, it may have is, been a better prospect. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like his yeah, prospect yeah. profile yeah, yeah. is just ridiculously yeah. awesome in every yeah. to every degree. Um, but will I? What I will say as a lifetime Philadelphia Eagles fan, one of my favorite players, not on the Eagles growing up, watching highlights was Barry Sanders. When I watched LaShawn McCoy play football, the only person I could ever compare him and his playing style to was Barry Sanders. The ability that they both had to be able to just stop on a dime, make a dude fly by them and not take hits, which personally I think was key to LaShawn McCoy's longevity in the league. The only other player that I've ever seen in that category is Bijan Robinson. Yeah, and I've now seen two games of him in the NFL. Right. I, I, I watched a decent amount of his Week One. I watched all, basically. I'm pretty sure I watched every carry of his in Week Two, a carry or reception. And I'm watching, and I'm just like, there is no one that I've seen that can do this since Lashawn McCoy, and no one before him since Barry Sanders, which is an oddly specific type of running back. Like it's not like Adrian Peterson is never going to do those things. He's a hall of fame running back, but that's just not how he plays the game. Watching beat like that is my personal favorite type of, I love it. And maybe it's because of the Sean McCoy. And he's doing this while keeping like his momentum going forward. Like he's doing it in a way that even like, like Barry obviously was a a complete jitterbug. Like he would, he would change his hip angle in ways that was very like, he'd be like facing forward. Then he'd be facing sideways or facing sideways and facing forward. You'd be like, dude, that is fucking ridiculous. He'd set, guys up in a way that I've never seen but like yep. Bijan's doing this in such a flowing manner like he's just yeah. continuously moving and then he's able to absorb contact and move forward like everything like if you're a running back like st- if you study the running back position you watch this guy you're like it's poetry in motion it's perfection yeah add to that my take last week that he's the closest thing to at the running back position to be able to play at the outside le- out, at the outside at the NFL level as a wide receiver like he has amazing downfield receiving yep. skills obviously close to the line of scrimmage receiving skills too but like he is an amazing receiver I, I don't know man he is easily easily the best running back in the nfl and i'm i'm saying that with christian mccaffrey still in the league like he's just the best running back in the nfl right now and i don't think it's really even a conversation I I disagree with you there because nice. I, Christian McCaffrey. It's just he's he's so good. He's so good. He's so, so good, he's so so good. But they are different. They are different. They are different. I I so I I kind of disagree with something you said, but in a really weird way. I don't think he absorbs contact. I think he's like dry fit with water. Yeah, like water just kind of bounces off, so it doesn't really ever get the fabric wet. 
I don't think Bijan Robinson means. even feels yeah. these people. Yeah. Like he's not absorbing the contact. That's the what I mean. He's able to like, like utilize of it. Yeah. He's just like, yeah. And like, it's, and it's brilliant. It's, it's again, it's something I haven't seen in a player since the likes of a LaShawn McCoy or a Barry Sanders. Like, but he's also different than those guys. So I agree. Like before long, I, I might, I might be agreeing with you. Yeah. I, I do think that he's probably top three. Yeah, I I don't think there's an argument that he's top three. He he's he's that insanely good. Yeah, I have a hard time putting him over Christian McCaffrey because Christian McCaffrey is just like he's been that except he's done it for like eight years now yeah. or however long it's been and he hasn't really slowed down. Like lifetime he still makes a play. Yeah, lifetime yeah. achievement. He still award, makes yeah. a play every yeah. week where I'm like Jesus Christ. Yeah, every time I forget like how good he is, I'm like oh. Yeah, he's also playing on one of the most loaded yep. rosters in the NFL. Yep, I think you know, and that helps. Yeah, and I think also the scheme helps Bijan right now. But I think he's yep. also showing, like, you know, when he's eight yards, ten yards a carry, you're like, yeah, the scheme is helping. But he's adding so much value to yep. that scheme; it's incredible. Yep. So, and we're we're saying cool. this two games into his NFL career. That's right. So by the end of the season. Yeah, who knows? Chances are, I probably agree with you. <laughs> I, like, I don't know. I mean, it's just one of those things where you know, it's like when you stick to your pri- not stick to your priors, but when your priors are sort of you know brought to light. Speaking yeah. of priors brought to light, DeAndre Swift. Oh baby, right? I oh, mean, baby. as a Philly fan, that had to be so satisfying. I mean, you know, he's a Philly guy. Yeah, exactly. That's what I mean. Like you yeah. know, just a just so satisfying. Um, talk about that, but also. You know, being so close to Philly, I think what the people would want to hear you say rather than waxing poetic about his, you know, roots in Philly, which you can, but what they would want to hear is what you hear and what you think about the, you know, usage going forward. Because what he saw um, the other night, he's not going to see every no. week going forward. But what what should we expect? So, so the reality of what happened on Thursday night is – and I'm, I'm, you know, I, a lot of this is kind of secondhand information. It's stuff I notice and I read about and I learn about as, as you know, as we go on through the week. But the Vikings did an absurd amount of things really weirdly on defense. Like Brian Flores straight up admitted, we have no talent, so we're just going to do some weird shit. And when I say weird shit, you're probably thinking, OK, some normal weird shit. No, 40 percent over 40 percent of the time they had three man fronts with eight people in coverage and not or and and over 40% of the time, they had at least six men rushing the quarterback. That means less than 20% of the time did they have anything close to a 4-3 or like a normal-looking defense where only four people are rushing the quarterback, five people are rushing the quarterback. Like, they literally said, we're either going to blitz the shit out of Jalen Hurts with six or more men, or we are going to drop everyone back into coverage and just have eight people cover three guys. Yeah. And so the Eagles answer to that was, all right, we're going to run inside zone. Right. Until you tell us not to. Right. And they never did. They never because did. the Eagles have the best run blocking offensive line maybe ever. Certainly it's in the league ridiculous. right now. And they, and, and, and you're right. They just, they gave it to them. They were like, we'll just play run funnel and hope we can stop you. But, and you can't you because can't. Jason Kelsey is, a fullback and a center. He literally he snaps the ball. He does his initial block, and then he becomes a fullback. Yeah, which is absurd. Yeah, by the way. So yeah, yeah. Th- everything matched so perfectly that led to De- DeAndre Swift having a career high in rushing attempts and rushing yards. It doesn't happen without his talent. Yes, obviously, yep. because we would have 
seen it with Kenny Gainwell in the past or Miles Sanders. I'm not sure ever had that many yards in a single right. game. And he is the closest thing that they've had to a workhorse. Yeah, it's not always going to happen for DeAndre Swift. Yeah. Kenny Gainwell is going to be involved because they love Kenny Gainwell. Right. They, 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 they love Kenny Gainwell. I cannot stress that enough. There is a reason that DeAndre Swift got two touches in week one. Right. But DeAndre Swift is the more talented running back. And I think when they have to lean on this type of offense, it will be DeAndre Swift that sees the best, the most, the most fantasy production from it. Yeah. You know, watching DeAndre Swift continue like uh, to actually be good and to look so, you know, skilled and to be, you know, who he was there the other night just kind of makes me wonder what the hell Detroit was thinking using that, you know, a top 12 pick on a fucking running back that they don't even I, use as a, as a feature back that I, it just doesn't make any sense. I mean, I don't know, man, uh, Detroit, come on, be better than that. I mean, I love Jameer Gibbs and I'm, I'm a fan of, of, and David he looks Mark. awesome. Yeah. But it's plays. not a player take. It's just a, it's a, you know, constructing a team. No, pick, And I, I'm agreeing with you. Like yeah. I'm saying it doesn't matter how he looks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not a, yeah. like the Eagle, like, the Eagles have done this with Boston Scott. Yeah. Like they've had a game like this with Boston Scott, Kenny Gainwell and Miles Sanders. Like it just, it doesn't matter. Like it, it, running is so heavy, is so scheme heavy in a lot of ways. And the, the Lions have a great offensive line. Yeah. And you already had DeAndre Swift. And I, it, no, I, I agree with you a thousand percent. Uh, I could talk for another 40 minutes about what the Detroit Lions did wrong, as I'm pretty sure we have on this podcast. Yeah. So, so we don't need to. Again. So it's most likely a 50 50 split with, you know, Gainwell and Swift. Is that what you think? Because that's what I think. I mean, and I'm almost taking the like, um, the the easy out here and just sort of saying because I'm unsure I'm predicting 50-50 I don't think it's actually going to be 50-50 but I think it's 50-50 does that make sense? If I, if I had to guess I would say at the end of the season it probably looks something like a 55 55-45 10 on someone else whoever or, yeah, yeah. You know, I know what you mean yeah, left yeah. There. but yeah, yeah. there's going to be some left for Boston Scott Rashad Penny whatever Swift, I think, will end up getting more touches, assuming yes, health. I think that's right. And then the reality will be that there are going to be weeks where he gets five carries. Right, 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 right. And he does nothing. Right, that's right. It, yeah, I think that's right. I think will the, look yeah, good the at the end of the season. End of season, but you'll never assuming yeah. health would be fifty-five, forty-five. Swift gain well, and yeah. you know whatever the the extra shit for Boston yeah. Scott Penny. Penny did not look good, and he also no. cost AJ Brown a touchdown, which I'm sure yep. did not go over well. No. Yeah. No, it did not. It, uh, it, was, it was not <laughs> thrilling uh, to watch, uh, no. to, to be no. honest. But uh, yeah. yeah, but no, there's there's going to be games where if DeAndre Swift has 10 carries for 60 yards, as an Eagles fan perspective, that's an awesome game. But Jalen Hurts got the three rushing touchdowns. Right. Well, yeah, you, yeah. The, the Eagles won the game. They smoked them and they didn't need to put DeAndre Swift in harm's way by giving him 10 carries in the fourth quarter. Right. Yeah, but he had a great game when you're watching it. But that's yes. that's the reality. Yeah, so. yeah. There's still there's still some you know. Look, the he had a legendary game, you know. Yep. But the the uh, Philadelphia Eagle running back, whoever that is, uh, you know, is limited because of Jalen Hurts and his potential uh, goal line usage. That's right. He's the best goal line running back in the NFL. Yes, with the and- dumb play that shouldn't be a rule anymore. Okay, no. Are you are you serious? It shouldn't. It's dumb. It's no. It's dumb that you think it's dumb because other teams try it and they no, fail. They're dumb too. They're dumb what too. What do you mean they're dumb? They don't do it the right way. I saw Buffalo try and do it, and they're like just ran yeah. out of a regular Buffalo formation. Failed. 
They uh, ran out the of a regular failed. formation and like Jer- uh, the, the cook, whatever his stupid name is, James uh, Cook, yeah. James, cook. Uh, yeah. James Cook like ran that. up and like pushed him in the butt once. And I was like, dude, what the fuck are you doing? I was like, this is embarrassing. Either do it right or don't do it at all. Don't just run up and like touch your but, fucking like, quarterback in the ass, the, you weirdo. But that's the point is if it was as easy and as as, 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 as broken as people would say, don't you think more people would do it with success? I'm they just saying don't it's not a football Because it's play. something the Eagles actually practice and work on. And because they have a no, Hall of on. Fame center, they, they do have an great. And they have a, the one, the best offensive line in the NFL, and they have Jalen Hurts, who is a special athlete with special traits that specifically work toward this advantage. Yeah. Anthony Richardson, all-time athlete, whatever. He could do it, too. He, but listen, he, here's the point. No, but he couldn't. He, yeah, he, he could, couldn't he could. in week one. Listen, but here's the thing. They, they they should outlaw it because I can even remember when it wasn't when it was a rule that you couldn't assist the running back or the the, the ball carrier. If the yeah. ball carrier had the ball, you couldn't push him or or help yeah. him. You that was a penalty or whatever, you know. Yeah. So I mean, ultimately, you know, they kind of got rid of that, and and you see it sometimes now where it's like you know guys like he, he gets stood up at the goal line, and then they just the off the offensive guy just crams into those two guys and like shoves them both in the end zone. It's a smart play. But ultimately, it's kind of like, you know, when you see it this way, it's not as exciting and it's sort of like anticlimactic. You know what's going to happen and it is unstoppable. They do execute it perfectly. I'm taking nothing away from them because I'm a Bill Belichick guy. So anything within the rules is fair game. So I'm not criticizing Philadelphia and their execution. I'm criticizing a dumb fucking rule, just like the tuck rule. Don't come at me and say it was a fumble. It was a fucking incompletion. They changed the rule. Fine. But when it, when it happened, fuck you Raider fans. All right. See what I'm saying? We can both play this game. All right. But I think the difference is with the tuck rule. Like you, you would admit after the fact, you're like, yeah, the logical thing there is that that would be a fumble. Or yeah, the logical like, thing like, is that the but, rugby but, fucking scrum isn't football either. Throw a completion. But, but no, but that's the difference is because the logical thing is dude has ball. If you can push him forward, no pushing. Then he went, for, why not? It's a fucking physical sport. That is the, the, no pushing, just, Michael. That is such stupid reasoning. Guys, no whenever one has I get any, Michael no, P. Duncan with the high pitched voice, you know I've got him. But no it's one over. has any good reasoning for it. Their reasoning mm. is it's, it's, it's ugly. It's a bad football play. It's like, no, you can't stop it. And nobody else in the end, Sean Payton was quoted saying if they don't outlaw it, then he'd do it on every fucking play. Uh, that motherfucker hasn't done it once. Well, look at Russell because Wilson. Because he's a pussy and a bitch Russell and they can't Wilson's handle it. a bum. Which we'll they don't get have to, I'm going to get to Russell Kelsey. Wilson being a bum with uh, with Mr. Andrew Cooper, who is almost here in the green room. I think I hear him knocking. He's not here yet, but he's almost here. But I will tell you, I got to ask you a question that, you know, that my guest last week dodged like a little baby bullet was Tua. You know, Tua now leads the NFL yeah. in passing yards. Tua now is commanding maybe the best offense in the NFL. I don't know, man. At, at the moment, he is. I mean, I mean, EPA-wise, it, it is. Right? I mean, this is a real offense. This is definitely currently the best team in the AFC. Yeah. Right? So yeah. Th- this is a real team until they they are proven otherwise, which they might be. But until yeah, then, we're two weeks in, it, right. it, we're saying what we're saying. Right, we're, we're saying two, weeks two weeks in. Time. I don't know. We'll see what happens. But as of right now, two is showing it. And you know, he, Justin last week said, "Well, he has to be prolific." Well, he has been prolific. That's kind of the point. So yep. I'm not I'm not saying that we should or should not have him wherever we have him. But I, I'm just asking: is it is it reasonable to move Tua up in Dynasty. In other words, 
past some players that we maybe otherwise shouldn't. I mean, he's clearly past the Dak Prescotts and the Deshaun yeah. Watts. I mean, da- I love Dak, but he's past Dak. He he's was already up there for me, to be honest. I, I know, but you know, look, I took Dak Prescott over Tua in a startup this offseason, and you know, Dak haters aside, it wasn't like what the fuck is he doing. It was more like. I understand it because Tua has the concussion issues. Look, yeah. if you told me Tua was going to play, you know, every game for the next three seasons at that moment that I was drafting, I would have taken Tua. But I don't know, you know, so that still is looming. But provided that he stays healthy, you know, how how high should we see him? I mean, I don't think I can really put him any higher than I have him. I have him at nine right now, which is behind Lamar, Anthony Richardson, Joe Burrow, Trevor Lawrence, Josh Allen, Herbert, Hertz, and Mahomes. Can, is, is there a way to move him ahead of any of those guys? And uh, I think he's just stuck right in that little sort of uh, tweener spot. Yeah, I'm checking. I'm, I'm looking at your rankings because I like yeah. to see it kind of. And I'm moving you know, Lamar he, back up. I mean, Lamar, it's so, he's so tough, man, because he's so good. He was so good in this game. He, he really made me change everything about what I was thinking with Lamar. He was so good. I mean, I, I think the reality for me is, and so when I when I said I already had two up there, that was basically an one off season ago. It was before all the concussions. Yeah, that's where I was currently. Dra- that's where I was drafting him because, but I uh, like I was also the way I was approaching startups in that off season was I was taking Jalen Hurts at a discount, two at a discount, and Carson Wentz at a discount. I had those three at quarterback in like three or four different leagues because my thought was mm-hmm. I'm going to take shots on these three guys get. You know, my high picks are on Justin Jefferson or whoever, and I'm, you know, fading quarterback in a little bit. And, you know, two out of three hits, and that's good. Um, but I, I think you're right. I, I mean, for me, it's less about the ranking and more about the tier, I right. guess. Yeah. That's and, a- and I think it, this moves him out of the Des- Dak Prescott tier and, and into, into the tier of. Go. I agree. That's right. Trevor Lawrence, Joe Burrow, Anthony Richardson, Lamar. Jackson to uh yeah yeah like yeah. A, it, it's a big tier probably but that's yeah. roughly I, where he's at he's in the top nine tier rather than in the yes. 10 through 15 tier or whatever the fuck right yep. yeah exactly like there's now a top nine and there's yeah. not Instead a top, of a top 10 and Justin Field is not in it <laughs> yeah Justin Fields look I rewatched the game I'm gonna tell you I think it's a there's still hope I'm gonna tell you there's still hope okay because it's almost so it's so clear in watching the game that he's not getting any coaching like, oh, you know, yep, yep, you know what yep. I mean? JTO Sullivan is the quarterback uh, school or whatever the fuck he is on Twitter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I watched his actually he broke down the whole game there. I watched the whole Justin Fields thing and it was tough to watch. But there was a lot of stuff where he's like, like even he's like there was a certain play where he just needs to be quicker and set quicker. And it's like, OK, well, I wonder if anybody's going to tell him that. You know, yep. it doesn't appear as though anybody's talking to him about any of this shit. And, and, and it's it like people sense. are talking to him, but about the wrong stuff and they're getting totally. in his head. Totally. Because he should be running a play action, you know, style offense where, yep. you know, they've got two good running backs and Herbert and Roshan. They've got to yep. be, you know, run, running the ball downhill and letting him, you know, the play action. He scored on a play action boot. Like, you know, it, it's a lot of pressure on the defense when he's in play action. When he's just sitting in shotgun, it's like, Boy, that's the least effective he can be. And he actually made a few good throws out of shotgun. Yeah. Like the throw to Claypool in the end zone was fucking a a beautiful throw. But again, you know, it's like a it's like a single side play where the safety could have jumped it. And I was like, man, that is not a really great play design. 
it just he just made a laser beam throw on target but boy oh boy i don't i don't see a lot of great design in anything they're doing matter of fact if anything more than great design you see absolutely atrocious design more often than the other the screen pass apparently had been called three times in a row on the one that was you know um, intercepted for a touchdown like how can you do that like absolutely awful coaching on both sides of the ball. The defensive coordinator just resigned. This team is an absolute well, Matt, shambles. Well, Matt Eberflus is, is supposed to be the defensive guy, right. and they're 32nd in offensive uh, yeah. EPA. They're or awful. EPA or whatever. Um, yeah, no, they're terrible. And I'll, I'll save the long tirade because I've already done it once tonight. We recorded playbook uh, before we're recording this. and Give us the uh, cliff notes. Yeah, give it to us. Yeah, I'll give the clip notes. Uh, but real quick, if you want to hear the full thing, uh, I will plug uh, the Undroppables playbook. Yes, sir. Uh, I, co- I co-host it with uh, Ashley with the uh, with the Undroppables. Uh, you can look for it on wherever you listen to podcasts or on uh, the Undroppables YouTube. That is yeah. The and if you Playbook. watch it on YouTube, it's a great watch. You just take a piece of like duct tape and put it over Michael P. Duncan, and Ashley's yeah. beautiful to look at. Yeah, fair enough. Um, <laughs> can't argue with it. I I, I know the reality. Um, but yeah, the Cliff Notes version being that Jalen or. Justin Fields might be a problem. Yeah. He he might be. He might be. Yeah. He might not be good at football. But I'm not convinced that we know the answer right, right. now. That's right. Because of the issues surrounding him being the coaching staff. And, you know, he he was quoted in a press conference today saying that, you know, he's 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 too robotic and it's because of the coaching. And you know, some of it is taken out of context, but the reality is he's thinking too much instead of playing football. Yeah. And that's a shame because we know he has talent. And it just seems like between a mix of like it being my little cousin playing Madden, but only knowing how to get to the three plays that show up on Ask Madden and just repeating those three plays <laughs> being the offensive play calling. Yeah. And the fact that they are telling him how to play football on such a minutia basis that he forgets how to do the things he's good at. Like, I'm not convinced that I know that Justin Fields is the problem. Right. And therefore... I, how, how can I blame him and yeah. only him? Yeah, I'm not saying he is good because he hasn't been good. That, that Exactly. We and he might be bad. That. We can't say that. But I'm also saying that a lot of what we see as the issues could be systemic. And again, maybe he's not elite. Like that maybe that that ship may have sailed. But whether or not he could be like, I mean, look, man, we saw it with, with, with Jalen Hurts when he got great coaching. We're seeing it right now with Anthony Richardson who – you know, has a better completion percentage in the NFL than he had at any point in his college career. So, you know, we're seeing what coaching and system can do. You know, at the end of the day, system and coaching has a lot to do with, you know, whether or not you're set up to be successful. Um, You know, just like you said with Philadelphia, when, you know, when uh, Flores showed them, you know, the path to victory, they took it. You know what I'm saying? I guarantee you, if they played that way against the Bears, the Bears would have just called shotgun pass and just would have thrown it into their eight-man zone all day long, and Fields would have gotten picked off, and they'd have been fucked, you know? And so the the, the scheme against the certain types of defenses that are called are important. Um, So, therefore, I, I just have a hard time putting a full grade on Justin Fields yet. But here's the point. In dynasty football, which is what we play, Yep. It doesn't matter, kind of. Nope. You know, it's like because you know, I wrote a tweet today. We like, can't promise life. The the situation is going to change anytime exactly. soon. Exactly, like, for it to matter. If they suck bad enough, they have two top ten picks. They have their own yep. in Carolinas. 
I, I mean, surely if they're in position to get one of the top two or three quarterbacks, they're likely to do it now. And they're a year away from having to pay Justin Fields. Exactly. So I think they might pull that plug, trade him or whatever, but it's really, really awful. Um, so, you know, I think they need a better roster and I think yeah. they needed a completely new coaching staff. And I don't know when I would replace this coaching. Like literally I'm the owner right now. Make me the owner. Yeah. I don't know if I'd want to replace the coaching staff right now. I, I don't know. I, I What I'd probably do, I'll tell you, this is what I would do if I'm the owner. This is it. I'd go into that locker room and I'd, I'd listen and I'd hear, I'd just put my ear to the ground. I'd say nothing. I would just listen and I would find out who the real leader of that locker room is on the coaching staff. Like it could be a yeah. defensive line coach or a whomever. Who's the guy that's really connecting with these guys? And I'd probably just elevate him to, temp, uh, you know, interim coach and fire the fucking lot of them and fill it in with the with the, the only guys that are going to help these guys develop because I don't really care if I win. I just yep. want to make sure I know what I got going forward. That's and all that's, I give a shit yep. about. And that's what I do. No, I, I couldn't agree more. Like to try and put a capper on the Justin Fields situation. Like if you put a 500 pound jockey on a horse and the horse loses the race, <laughs> That horse might be slow as shit, but you sure as hell are not blaming that horse for losing that race. It's because you put a 500-pound jockey on him. Yeah. Well, so. we found the show title. Justin Fields, 500-pound jockey. Good job. We'll buddy. take it. You did it. Thank nice you. job. Happy to help. Happy you to should help. be proud of yourself for that one. Well, thank you. I I, I, I like me a good analogy. There's so. going to be some other things, I'm sure, with Andrew that we could pick, but you know, I you deserve this. You deserve ah, this moment. Man. And this will be the first time, uh, you know, all the all the new listeners from the uh, Player Pro Profile feed are hearing my voice. So yeah, absolutely. Well, the introduction. They 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 got the high pitch part too when I pissed you off uh, about the Eagles. So that was fun. I f- fuck you. <laughs> I got nothing else to say. Fuck I you. I do. You can tell why I love Michael P. Duncan. Absolutely fantastic. One of my friends. One of my best friends. And thank you so much for being on the show. We're gonna bring out Mr. Andrew Cooper. Uh, tell everybody uh, how, how much you love him. Uh, I love you guys. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Uh, and if you want, you can find me on Twitter at mpduncan 75 And like I said, you should listen to the Undroppables playbook. Uh, we go live Wednesday nights, 8 Eastern Standard, and the podcast releases normally the next morning. So give that a listen if you like what you heard here or if you didn't like. And you <laughs> if just you didn't wanna... like it, still listen. Yeah, because maybe you'll like Ashley. Who yeah, knows? you will like Most Ashley. And you, can heckle, you can heckle Michael P. Duncan, which he true. kind of enjoys but kind of doesn't. But he knows I love him, and he knows even the people who heckle him love him. It's it's not hard to rile me up. It's really not. It's Even fun. when I know you're doing it, it's yes. it's it's very easy. I love so. doing it. Well, I love you, brother. Thank you for coming on. Without further ado, let's get to Mr. Andrew Cooper. And as promised, I told you earlier in the show we would have a special guest. And of course, I have none other than Mr. Andrew Cooper on the show. I had Andrew on not too long ago, but uh, excited to have him back. Me and Andrew sat down and just started chopping it up. And it's really just a you know, backyard conversation. So without further ado, I will bring out Mr. Andrew Cooper. You can find Andrew on Twitter or X, whatever the fuck they call it now. You can find him there, though, at a at Coop A Fiasco. Mr. Andrew Cooper, what's going on, buddy? What's up, dude? Yeah, this I tell you, man, I kind of mentioned to you, people, they love when we're on here, dude. We love, they love when we chop it up. I get people in my DMs on the Reddit streets. They're like, yo, I heard you talking with Jax. Loving it. So I'm out here. I got to warn folks, though. Usually when you and me get on, 
It's a long show. Yes. It's a lengthy show. <laughs> Today I got time constraints. All right. Yeah, I know. So, and I know we're going to do our best, dude. We're not covering every topic. I'm looking at your show sheet right now. It's not happening. No, no, no. Like it can't no. happen. It can't happen. <laughs> we're talking about a few things, I. and we're just yeah. You know, it, it is what yeah. it is. But man. go ahead. But my promise is this: yeah, that before the end of this season, yeah, I will come back on and we'll do like a two-hour three hour banger banger we'll, we'll get it together or maybe you'll come on my show I'm we'll done. figure we'll that do out it. we'll do a home and home i love it you know yeah, yeah. uh there's certain people that i just love talking to and, and andrew cooper is one of them you know i i do love your advice and all that but i think more than that like i just think we we jive well and you know, maybe it's just because yeah. we're you know we were just talking before the show we kind of played high school football on the same streets so you know it is what it right. is massachusetts yeah, 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 yeah. And all that massachusetts shit. man there's there, there's some players that come out of here that's the thing for massachusetts is obviously we're, it's not texas okay it's not florida no. and the players that come out of here they don't go to bc right. right like they don't go to the schools here so you don't really think about it but they're out here dude they're yeah. out they were running over us when we were in high school i was yeah. handing the ball to anthony sherman for the chiefs and uh, you know, I was a quarterback. So on third down, I'd pitch it to him and he would throw it yeah. right-handed if it's on the right side. And if we're rolling left, he'd throw lefty because he could, could, and he could throw better than me with both hands, right, you yeah. know? <laughs> so, but I did my job, dude. I didn't fumble many snaps when yeah. I was giving him the ball. That's so. fantastic. But yeah, That's fantastic. That's well, I know for a fact, I know for a fact, none of the listeners t- tuned in today to listen to me and you talk about our high school exploits. So let's get to it. <laughs> Let's go. So, hey, Jerome Ford. Okay, you know, Nick, uh, I mean, uh, excuse me, Kareem Hunt got signed there. And I, I see a lot of people think that that matters. I don't know that that matters at all. I I, I was talking a, a little bit about it w- with Michael, but I also think it comes down to, tell me what you think of this. It's like, the way I see this is like, there's a couple of ways this goes, right? It's like, uh, backfield dominated by Jerome Ford, backfield dominated by Kareem Hunt, total split or 60-40-ish split one way or the other. And it's like, when I run through that thought experiment, it's almost like a 0% chance this thing's run by Kareem Hunt. I don't see that at all. I really right. don't see Kareem Hunt leading that backfield. I kind of see it as Jerome. Look, here's the thing I've been saying. Jerome Ford got touches in both games before uh, Nick Chubb got hurt. Like, you know, they valued Jerome Ford as, as a player out the gate. I don't think that that changes because they brought in a, a dead body to put on the roster. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, so the thing about the dead body part is that we know it's at least going to be partial split because Kareem Hunt was already pretty upset with the situation, right? Like he he didn't want to be there before. He wanted more touches. The fact that they even convinced him to come back, you got to know that he's going to play some. Yeah. Oh, yeah. If if it would be the greatest rug pull of all time if they somehow, I mean, like if they somehow convinced him to come back and then once again didn't give him the ball. Yeah. Like there's no, there's just no way. Right. So I, I think you're right. It's going to be early down split with Jerome Ford as a starter. I'm sure they made that clear, right? Jerome Ford's a starter. I'm sure they made it clear when Kareem Hunt was leaving the team in the first place right. that they liked Jerome Ford. Yeah, when Ford, they didn't right? sign his ass for you right. know four months. Like, yeah, you're not part of our plans, homie. Right. So Jerome Ford is a starter and Kareem Hunt's going to mix in on pass downs. It's just going to be like old times again with, you know, where, where was with Nick Chubb. So uh, if you have Jerome Ford, if you rostered him before, I mean, anyone that looked at this depth chart before knew that if something happened to Nick Chubb, they needed to add somebody, of right? Course. Like it, yes. you can't have two guys. So right. uh, it's bad news for, uh, you know, a Pierre strong. Yes. But that's Jerome great. Ford's going to be fine. Yeah, that's right. And, and <clears throat> all backfields are basically split backfields, except like a yes. couple. 
Uh, you know, obviously Kyron Williams is a fucking alpha back. What the Wait, fuck? Zach Moss. Zach Moss. <laughs> Zach Moss and, and Kyron Williams, obviously a side. I didn't you know? have that on my bingo card that Zach Moss would play every single, every get time. every single touch. Yeah. yeah. 56 is 57 snaps. I believe it was. Yeah. So, yeah. You just did your Whatever. utilization report article, That's, right? And uh, yeah, that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That keeps us employed though, bro. That's yeah. the thing though, is that. I see people, you know, on the timeline, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the younger kids out there uh, that, you know, they put, they do good work, but they get very upset. Right. right? And they're like, how is everything I thought not, how did not happen? And I just think to myself, brother, the only reason you have a job is because we'll, we'll never know. And there'll always be some element of guessing. And this game is fun that way. Yeah. Honestly, if this were, if it were still like 2001, where the the same characters got all the touches and touchdowns and Priest Holm was scoring 30 touchdowns and Sean Alexander, there wouldn't be enough, there wouldn't be jobs in this industry. There wouldn't be analytics. It would literally just be the same as it used to be where it was like, here are the guys. You could print a magazine in July and right. that magazine would still be the same. You know what I mean? Yes. Like uh, the, the current NFL with the splits and everything, it's great for what we do. It's, it's more fun. Yeah. So. But I mean, at the end of the day, of course the whole, I, 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 you're reading my mind. Cause like I, uh, earlier in the day, I was thinking about like what I would talk about on the show and like some of my thoughts, you know? Um, and, uh, one of them is like, it's like readiness. You know, I always, I have that, the, the famous saying that I say all the time, be ready to be wrong. Uh, you know, you're wrong. You just don't know how, right. I don't know how I'm wrong. I just know that I am. So how am I wrong? And I'm, I'm constantly trying to figure out how I'm wrong. Well, turns out I was wrong about Kyron Williams. Well, instantaneously shift gears. I see the utilization. I just traded for him in the Dynasty Game Theory Invitational. You know, me and Felix Sharp pulled off a trade. He's a, he's a rebuilding team. He's trying to get Caleb. He needs those damn points off his roster. It was a win-win trade. I got Kyron Williams on a win-now team. I'm in first place, but right, lose Saquon. It's like all these things, like you, you know what you need. Kyron Williams is now a lead back. And so like understanding right. and reading that and, and, and then the, that was even before they traded Cam Akers, but I felt like Cam Akers was on the outs anyway. Uh, and then they said they were going to trade. So all these things are just, we're trying to read this stuff and react quicker than your league mates. Let me throw some out there. Like This is how I treat the fantasy season now. And it's beautiful because of all the options we have. It's like a pyramid, right? And at the very top of the pyramid, are the players that I truly in deep in my heart of hearts with my analysis, I believe in I'm drafting those guys in my hometown league, in my big money leagues. You know, I have big exposure to them on, on underdog and stuff. Throw that underdog promo. I know you guys are underdog yeah, show. What do you got? UND go for it. Yeah, no, keep going. Yeah. We, right, we yeah. love the underdog. So, you see it up there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I was saying throw that promo out there, but like, so what you do is like you have, you, you have to, like you said, you have to think about where you could be wrong and you, cause you know, you are the range of outcomes are, are wide and you build that pyramid where you got your core guys that you're trying to get everywhere. And then as you go through, now we have all these other options. Once upon a time, I had like two fantasy leagues and that was it. I couldn't have everybody. Now I can build all these exposures and say, what if I'm wrong about Cam Akers? Let me get some Kyron Williams, right? That's right. Mix them in, you know, get some, uh, you look at a team like the Rams across the board and you were on top of this with Puka Nakua. You right. said, hey, you know what? We've seen these ghost ship teams before. I've seen Robert Woods, uh, you know, do, uh, you know, pop off on a team where they were rebuilding. I've seen Robert Foster pop off on the Bills. Yeah. I've seen Keelan, Keelan Cole and all these guys, right? Like you go through and say, okay, Preston Williams can get snaps. Why can't Puka Nakua? Right. So, you know, you start building that. And then, and then what I do during the season is at the very bottom base. Sometimes I'll go through and I'll say, okay, I have a high stakes FFPC league. 
and I'm making a tough decision. I'm starting this guy over that guy. Maybe I build a DFS lineup with the other guy and I make sure that right. I'm hedged. I, I got everything covered here and I can just sit back on Sunday and really enjoy. And the fact that we have so many different options now within this space for to hedge and to, and to play and, and to make sure you have exposures to where you uh, to cover all the all your beliefs. It, it really is. This is the golden age of fantasy football. Yeah. No question. Yeah, absolutely. I was thinking about the, you know. If, if you play in a lot of leagues, you're right. Exposure for those playing in one or two or three leagues, which probably isn't a lot of my fucking listeners because they're Not your they're crazy yeah. people. But but honestly, there 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 are probably some that are you know single league or you know not that many leagues. I mean, there's more of those than there are you know these these wackos like you and I. So ultimately, still the lesson is to be ready to be wrong. Be ready to to change your priors. Don't just sit on all the Cam Akers is coming back. You know all these things. You know, it's like. Like to be ready to change, you know, I'm always ready for that. I mean, even Puka Nakua, you know, I mean, if I knew he was this, I would have been telling you to draft him in the second round of your rookie drafts. Instead, I was saying he was a value in the late third and fourth rounds of your rookie drafts, you know. So it's not like we know the future. We just have to be prepared to react to it as we see it. You know, the Puka Nakua thing, I will say, you know, uh, I, I'm ready for a nuanced conversation. We don't have to talk too much about it, but I just, you know, the, my my general take has been, that he was a, a a a better prospect than people gave him credit for, you know he he was number one in targets per route run in, in mm-hmm. college. Uh, that's translated like literally that skill of of earning targets has translated at the next level. So it's not a flash in the pan. It's actually linear from what we saw. We didn't know that that would translate, but so far that it has, you have to take it seriously. If it was just some sort of thing, like come out of nowhere, that's one thing. But when you see a guy lead the lead the you know the the class in targets per route run, and then does earn thirty five targets at his first two NFL games, which was by far a record, yeah, he might be real. Now on the flip side of that, you know, people were like. You know, even my buddy Chalk, who obviously is my partner at the Undroppables, was like kind of giving me a little bit of shit about this and that. And I love it, right? Because it, it, it challenged everything. I showed a screenshot of me turning down um, Puka Nakua for a first. In other words, someone was saying, hey, give me your first and I'll give you Puka. And I turned it down. I said, hey, man, I've been aggressively, uh, you know, acquiring Puka, but, and I know some people are paying a first, but it ain't going to be from me have a nice day. And it's, that's the way I look at Puka. I'm not willing to leverage it that high a value. Now that may be a mistake, but I am, I'm already acquired Puka at such a different, you know, price point that I'm okay saying no at the, at that 24 first price point. Does that make sense? So there's your pragmatic take on Puka. For sure, man. And the thing with Puka and so I'm the guy that pours cold water on the day three rookies. Mm. Like I do, I always do. And it's because mathematically you should. That's right. About 5% of them hit. And when you go through the list and start pulling out the names, you can come up with reasons why they fell, right? Like Julian Edelman was a quarterback, right? Yeah. Like we're talking about the, these are the top five guys over the last 20 years. Antonio Brown is one. And he was Small literally school. crazy. Yeah, crazy. He, got kicked, he got, crazy. Kicked out of, yeah. got kicked out of the Florida International. Tyreek Hill was T- in trouble. Tyreek Hill was in trouble. T- uh, with, with Antonio Brown, his his coach all growing up was actually T.Y. Hilton's dad. Yeah. Him and T.Y. Hilton played yeah. together. Yeah. We talked about it on this yeah. show. Everyone that listens to the show already knows the yeah. story. But like he was supposed to go to Florida International, got kicked out. Yeah. Like, so that's one. Steph Diggs yeah, was Bar- hurt. 
Steph Diggs was hurt, and he went to Maryland, and he was kind of a punk. Pierre Garçon went to Mount Union. It's like, across the board, man. So I look at Fukunakua. You go back through and look at it, and it's like, okay, he went to Washington, and the Pac-12 canceled the season because of COVID. Right. 2020, he didn't even get to play his sophomore year, which is like the big breakout year. Yes. So he turned around and transferred out. He transferred into BYU, and at BYU, he was great. Like yeah. He comes out, has, has a great season for them 2021, and then – you know, he's got all the behind the scenes stats, but you look at a guy like that, BYU guy, smaller guy, nobody's really looking at him except for the team that found Cooper Cup. Yeah. And and the scouting group that was previously headed by Brad Holmes, Brad Holmes, who went to the the Lions and found uh, Amon Ross St. Brown. Yeah. So this crew clearly knows what they're looking for in this. You know, if you could sneak in there and figure out the secret sauce, it'd be amazing for fantasy, right? right? Yeah. But like you, certain organizations, like if the Steelers draft a guy, I immediately say, okay, he might be good. He might be good. <laughs> yeah. If the Patriot, if the Patriots draft a guy, or even the Chiefs, dead. or even the They're Chiefs, dead. I'm just like, oh, yeah, yeah, you know? exactly. But so, Puka, Puka also, you know, there's you, you just connect the breadcrumbs. Like during the preseason and during camp, it was like Puka, impressive Puka, mm. impressing the coaches. And I know all that. I take it with a grain of salt. That didn't change my priors i was basically still where i was just with the light bulb on and it was like oh interesting and maybe if i could Mm -hmm. buy him cheap i was like fashioning trades i you know like just easing him onto my roster if possible not not overexerting myself but or just like putting out the the week one like i think puka i said it right before week one i said before week one in a tweet i said you can start puka this week i said i don't know exactly what he'll do but i said i bet he sees Five plus touches in week one turned out to be more than that. But I thought he was going to get maybe a rushing attempt or so or two and a few targets. I thought he'd touch the ball five times and five touches in a, in a, in a week by a wide receiver. You know, that's that's a few points. That's five points uh, if, or more. If, if you had, if you had come out and said, imagine before week one, you were like, I think Puka Nakua gets 15 targets. Dude, people would be sending me that DM. Yeah. They'd be dealing me that tweet and they'd be like, dude. Come get your boy. Yeah, because he's boy. outside of his mind. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like he couldn't have possibly said that. Exactly. And the, my favorite part, Jax, is that people, including me, came out and we were like, Oh yeah, no way he gets 15 targets again. Yeah. And I guess that that statement technically was right because <laughs> he did not get 15 targets, he got 20. <laughs> That's exactly so, right. Uh, here yeah. we go. P- Puka is the fucking real deal, as you know, of course. Of course. I think he's gonna be great. Um, but you know, his teammate now has been launched, Cam Akers. Cam Akers goes to Minnesota in a mm. trade. And right now, all of the fourth round Alexander Madison drafters are literally shaking in their fucking wet boots. Yeah, right? I, it's bru- I mean, like that's it couldn't have been a more brutal week for him because he played awful, had the fumbles, had the comments that he was getting on social media and the team had his back, but then also quietly traded for another player, which that has got to just be that's got to be rough, man. I don't I know. Do. I mean, I know they gave him the contract, which is nice, but you know, you want to be the guy. Like, you want to get the yeah. next contract too. So, I mean, and the people that really get crushed here are the Ty Chandler folks because yeah. they have been pretty vocal about Ty Chandler and you know UNC, blah blah. blah. And I honestly quietly liked Kine Nguyenwu, who you know he's a great kick returner, but that's probably all he's going to be now. Uh, we'll see what happens with Cam Akers and, and what kind of attitude situation or whatever it is, but. You, you, you don't want to see that. You want to see teams trading away that player. So this is yeah. obviously great news for Kyron Williams, right? Yeah. 
Yeah, for sure. You know, I don't mean to victory lap. Actually, wait a second. I actually I do. do mean to victory <laughs> lap. Let me correct myself. I just said the I don't mean to victory lap because I'm pretending, I'm fainting modesty, right? So I'm, yeah. I'm pretending to be modest, but I'm not. So you see what I'm doing here? We're from here, dude. Yeah, uh, yeah, I'm okay, from right. out here, dude. That's, that is my entire Twitter. It's, yeah, like, it's like every 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 tweet I ever send, there's something behind that tweet that is made that's supposed to make you go, wait a second. <laughs> like, wait, wait, is this, is this guy, guy an is asshole? this guy serious? Yep. Maybe this guy's an asshole. I yeah. sure am. Exactly. Anyway, but I did say earlier in the seat in the offseason, it was a thing about like Alexander Madison. The discussion of Alexander Madison was always, well, like, who else is there? And I was always like, honestly, probably somebody else. And I didn't know if it was gonna be Kareem Hunt, Leonard Fournette. I even said, what about just somebody else that gets let go by another team, like late, you know, 53 man cut guy that like, you're like, oh shit, he got cut. And it was always a surprise guy that I felt like could end up there. I said it out loud on this podcast and sure enough, that exact thing came to fruition. And by the way, now that it's happened, it's not like I'm like, well, Cam Akers time, baby. I don't believe that shit either. I just believe that it's going to be messy and, 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 and unpredictable and and anything is still possible, including Alexander Madison paying off for his draft position. That's also still in the realm of possibilities, but like it's less possible now, but it's still possible. I'll tell you what, man, like not to pat the industry on the back and, and ourselves, which I'll mm. say I will I will do, but like you look at a lot of these situations and you look at what the dynasty community as an aggregate is doing. The sharp, the sharp gamers, the sharp versions, the sharp analysts. What they're actually doing and saying about certain players, and a lot of times that turns out to be right. Like yeah. when the entire fantasy community says, do not draft Anthony Schwartz, right. despite the Browns making that pick, you got to know that like it ends up being right a lot of times. And yeah. when we have a situation like Tony Pollard and Alexander Madison, which on the surface level, on the surface level, both guys, when they fill in, capable of good weeks, capable of you know getting things done, when the analytical analytics community comes in and says Tony Pollard is a real deal, but everything that we know says that Alexander Madison is not GM's got to take notice of that. And there are teams now that are truly embracing that. Like if you look at the Texans, Bobby Slowick, the offensive coordinator, he worked yeah. for pro, pro football yeah, focused yeah. for three years, right? Like in baseball, the Astros had that guy, Jordan Tobman. Do you ever hear his story? The guy he got, he, he got obviously, he, he got like kicked off. He got fired because he had some like rant against a, a reporter over there, closer they signed who had like a domestic violence thing going on, Rolls Chapman. Like, but forget about that. Before that, this guy, what he was an investment banker that was so good at DFS that he quit his job to do baseball DFS. And then he was so good at that that the Astros said, whatever formula you're using to make right. all this money on DFS, why don't you just come work for us? Right. And then he and then he ended up being the assistant general manager. Right. So maybe there is a little something to this stuff that we do and the number crunching in the Excel. And maybe teams should start seeing what's going on within this community. Forget the, you know, the, the guys that the old school guys that just go on TV and say, whatever, like, how about looking at the numbers guys and asking what they think about, you know, uh, maybe like think about just the major fades that have, that the fantasy community has gotten right. Like in terms of, here's the one, here's the one. It was a deep, deep math equation that I did figuring out Alexander Madison wasn't going to come through. Uh, it's going to be tough guys. Get your calculators out. Cause this one's going to be one where you're going to be following along with your calculator. 
here's the deal. Everybody said that Dalvin Cook is washed and sucks. Yet, Dalvin Cook, was, for the last two years, was way, way, way more efficient on a per-touch and per-target basis than Alexander Madison. Yet, everybody was like, Alexander Madison's going to be awesome. One plus one it does not equal you know three. It just that never made sense. If 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 Dalvin was that much better than Madison, I, I just didn't see Madison you know being an an efficient runner this year. I thought maybe he could get there with volume if he could just be slightly above average. Like maybe he could get there. Like and with targets too, because I felt like this team was going to pass a lot. So I thought he has an out. He has an out where it's like. You know, the first three, four, five weeks, he's getting five, six, seven, eight targets a game, and he's falling into the end zone a few times, and he's averaging three or four yards a carry, but it wasn't even that good. And 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 he was never going to be, you know, 15 carries for 128 yards. He was never going to do what DeAndre Swift did the other night. Mm-hmm. Like, that was never in the cards for this plotter, right? So, you know, it's just it, – it was so easy to see that. So, for those reasons, that is value. I was fading him. Now, unfortunately, I probably, probably grabbed Acres at a couple of those spots in best ball, burn right. that ticket. But, Oops. you know, yeah, but I mean, you know, look, at the end of the day, it was just fading Madison was the right was the right process play just because of his price. It was kind of like fading Gabe Davis last year, right? Like, even though I like Gabe Davis a little bit as a player, I didn't like him that much. It wasn't a, you know, he was right. never a top 18 wide receiver play. Like, that's a ridiculous play. It top got crazy. 40, it yeah, got top crazy. 40, sure. You know, it's the same thing here with Madison. Don't hate players, hate ADPs. You know, as a seventh, eighth round pick, if you're picking them in and around, you know, AJ Dillon, it's like, yeah, Madison's a pretty good pick. Right. So, hey, that's end of the day, lessons to the GMs of the world. If you look or if you type in your player's name on Twitter and you see every single person saying Valus Jones Jr., no, D D Eskridge, no, like Alexander Madison, not that good, right? Like, then you got to get away. But if you see people clamoring for Tony Pollard or for Austin, Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones, Austin Eckler. It's like, then you got a little something. It, it's yeah. okay. It's not the end of the world. You got to put your ego aside. And I do it all the time in fantasy football. I have no problem going in and reading an article by, you know, an article by uh, Dwayne McFarland or by, you know, uh, JJ or listening yeah. to your show, which I always listen to because Thanks, you are amazing at this and you have great guests. Yes. And why would I, it's like, it's like, it's like those those like your dad would be like, I'm doing it myself, building a brick wall. I'm like, dude, if you can if people can help you build the wall, dude, yeah. like they just yeah. I'm doing it on my own. It's like, no, there's actually you actually don't have to do it on your own, right? Yeah. I'll help you with the tight end stuff yes. and I'll go to Linda for the kicker stuff. Yes. And you know, and then we'll figure this whole thing out. Right. We got, you know? we got a whole I'm the I'm the general contractor of this fucking deal. All right. That's now, right, dude. Speaking about eating my pride, let me ask you a question. Should I take the L or should I stand tall? On Jordan Love may not be good, or is this, or is this, or is this like ship in the uh, in the harbor already? Is it done? I think what you do here, you don't take the L or stand tall. You just kind of lurk in the shadows. Yeah, uh, two games in, you don't need to declare a damn thing, bro. Yeah, you don't need to do a damn thing. And I'll give you a good example. Right now, through two weeks, yeah. the uh, the Houston Texans have 109 dropbacks. That is a lot. If you look at the Raiders, yes. they have 54, wow. literally half, literally half. Wow. That's not going to hold for the year. No. So I wouldn't victory lap or do anything right now on any player. So with right. the Jordan Love stuff, you sit back. Now, if he throws double digit touchdowns, I'm sorry, if he throws, you know, if he, he has three touchdowns in each of the first two games, if he keeps throwing two touchdowns every game, 
yeah. eventually you're going to have to re- make a statement, Jack. No doubt. No doubt. <laughs> but I think well, for the time being, yeah. you just hang back and you say, hey, you know what? Because I mean, it's not like he's throwing for 300 yards. Uh, honestly, truly, when it comes to the modern play calling and quarterback style, these RPOs and these little kind of like a front handoff things, like the Jaden Reed touchdown. One yeah. of those Jaden Reed touchdowns was, was a handoff. It was a touchdown. You know what I'm saying? So the touchdowns aren't the big deal. It's the, if he comes out and starts throwing, like remember Patrick Mahomes, remember rookie uh, Deshaun Watson? Right. Like he was so good. In that situation, then you have to admit that you're wrong. But in this case, let's see him throw for 300 yards. I would rather see... You see, if he goes back to back 300 yards with one touchdown, I think that would be better than just kind of sneaking by, you know? You know, Deshaun Watson, uh, if we can go there for a quick moment, yeah, I don't sure. know if it was on the show sheet, but, <clears throat> um, you know, I've heard some people say Deshaun Watson looks uncomfortable back there. I, that may be true. I, I wonder if there's some part of his preparation, like something that helped him calm down, settle down, you know, something <laughs> that made him feel a little bit more, you know, <laughs> relaxed. That he's not oh, doing anymore no, because dude. maybe no. Maybe. I, uh, he looks a little uncomfortable, those, stressed back there. Those jokes you're not supposed to make. Those jokes, but I immediately sent a a uh, picture of uh, Austin Powers. They stole my mojo with the same <laughs> with the same <laughs> intent, dude. Because it really almost seems to be the case. I mean, I, don't I mean, know. I'm just saying maybe, maybe part of his preparation, you know, something that could relax him a little bit, that could make him feel a little less stressed in the pocket. I don't know what it is. It just looks like a different guy. Yeah, it looks. It honestly couldn't happen to a better guy. So I <laughs> yeah, really. Right. The thing is, it's like I drafted him in fantasy because I was like, you know, he's a great quarterback. But if is he, he if he, what's going on? I mean, all. I mean, if you even today, even yeah. today, two weeks in, if you take every quarterback all time and sort by fantasy points per game, yeah, Deshaun Watson is a top five quarterback. Yeah. So even with the bad weeks, this couple these couple weeks, like he's got that on his resume. I've yeah. seen it. I've seen it with bad coaches. I've seen it with bad teammates. It's entirely possible that he just has two bad games. I mean, Cole Komet yeah. last year had zero fantasy points through two games, and he finished as a tight end six and half PPR. So it's entirely possible that people can have two bad games. But it's also possible that this guy just is not comfortable, and he's not the offense doesn't work for him, and he just is not ever going to work here with this team. So, yeah. and, and the, the 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 crazy part for him is that there's a line that gets drawn in NFL in real life NFL situations where if you are it's like it's like a meter for scale on one side and locker room stuff if you're a good enough locker room guy teams will keep giving you jobs true especially if you're a smart enough quarterback like if you look at uh the backup quarterback uh Davis Webb what uh, Webb right i think it's Davis yeah. Webb he keeps getting like people ask him why don't you just be a coach and he goes because teams keep giving me a million dollars to yeah. be right. the third QB and coach right. the team right? right so i think he's with the giants now yeah. the bills asked him to be a coach and he was like nah the the giants are giving me a million dollars and the coaching salary is what like you know like right. 100 so it's like obviously you do that certain players have that on the flip side if you are that big of a jerk then no matter how talented you are, if the talent doesn't outweigh the attitude issues, then you're going to be gone. We saw it with yeah, Mike they, Wallace. They, there's another with- corollary that that is very similar to that. The you you mentioned the nice guy keeps getting the contract. The other one that's very similar to that is the guy with the gigantic 250 million dollar guaranteed contract will also get opportunity. It's a weird uh, corollary as well. So yeah, of course, there's pretty will. much nothing they can do. They're yeah. like seriously, what are they just going to eat 250? Like now, if they were to did if they were to ditch him though, who's going to scoop him up? Somebody would probably, but, but but they can't ditch him. 
Like Bill Belichick have, would do it. Bill Belichick would, have, would do it. Yeah, he would. They would have negative salary cap. Like, yeah, I, I don't even. I can't even. I'm not going to look it up. But you, it's you would be have to. You would have crazy. to do. So the the Browns actually accepted one of those bombs in the past. Remember the Browns took the Bross Brock Osweiler. Brock, yeah, and they they actually got picks Eight, to take that. Yes, yes. You would need to give like probably a bucket of first round picks, whatever's allowed. Uh, yes. To, to yes. Do it, right. You know. Yeah, it'd be pretty crazy. That's fucking nuts, dude. Nuts, man. That I might think he's be gonna the be, play for somebody. I think he might be okay. This is so. There's a lot of players that this week is a massive bounce back week. Super Russell important. Wilson. Yeah, let's go through them real quick and, and name a couple. Yeah, so, Russell Wilson. Uh, Russell Wilson is a great one. Uh, Deshaun Watson because he's the Titans. Their run defense is crazy. Yes, it is crazy good. So yep. they have to throw. If they yep. can't throw in this game, they're they're, they're dust. Yeah, they're yeah. smoked. Uh, I'll give another one uh, that I'm holding on to for one more game is Kyle Pitts. So yeah. you've got the you going into the Lions Dome. They have a pretty good run D, but they just lost CJ Gardner Johnson. So they're strong safety, which is exactly who usually handles the tight end. So this is the last gasp. Like if they cannot throw it to the tight end in this situation where they have to throw, then Kyle Pitts is droppable. So that's that's one for me where I need to see it right now. Or, Andrew, Andrew, or last week, last week it was like if if someone told you, "Hey, man, we're back." The fucking Atlanta Falcons, eleven ta- eleven targets to the tight end, baby. You know it. You know his name. Say it with me, Johnny Smith. Johnny Smith. Smith. <laughs> <laughs> Just cr- ridiculous, man. It is crazy. It is Six crazy. Targets to Johnny, like five to to Pitts, and only two catches for Pitts. I mean. Just unbelievable that that would be the outcome. Like literally, if I told you, hey, yeah, they're going to get eleven targets at the tight end, right. all pits owners would have been like. Yeah, and there was that go. one that was that one situation where they tried to force it to him in the goal line, so they had pits at the goal line, two targets in a row, and yeah. then they ended up kicking a field goal, like yeah. from the two yard line. So brutal stuff, man. Who yeah, else? You got? Uh, so I'm, when I go through, I look at guys like, uh, uh, like there's there's guys like Quinton Johnston where I'm holding on to him. If he plays 10 snaps again, I can't hold on to him anymore. I you can't, can't hold, hold on, on to him. Redraft. No. Yeah, I think you had might have you probably already had to drop him, you know, because he redraft, didn't overtake yeah. Joshua Palmer, right? Yeah. Like he's gotta go, he's gotta get beyond that play, you know? It so we're, yeah, and I don't yeah. think he's gonna and if he does clear jo- Josh Palmer, it won't be fully. You know, it'll still be like Palmer's going to see some reps. At the, I don't know, man. I'm I'm terrified of of Quentin. And in Dynasty, my advice, and I was thinking about talking about Quentin a little bit too, was like, as soon as you see him pop, because you can't really trade him for his value right now. Like, if you sent a, you know, um, Quentin straight up for Mims, you'd probably get declined in almost every every spot. Dude, you might not even be able to send Quentin straight up for Puka Nakua. No, no way you can. No way. No, 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 no way. And I think Puka's trading ahead of Mims right now. Like you couldn't trade Mim straight up from Puka's definitely ahead, like in value. I mean, I'm not saying he's gonna end in, up like, in what you're gonna get. Like the person that has Puka is, is probably not trading being, for any of those. They're being too irrational about. It. I mean, no just doubt. in general. I mean, it's kind and of why wouldn't they be? Show me it. Stop. Make it stop one week, and then I'll fucking be like, oh, all right, we'll see. Okay. You know, <laughs> yeah. Right. But if he gets another 15 targets again, you'll be like. That's what he does, man. He's a 15 target guy. Like that's that's his floor at this point. That's you know? it, yeah. Crazy. So you got to see it stop before you can. And that's the hard part of dynasty is like you know you can't you just can't unsee it. You know. So um, I, I I got one I want to ask you about. Yeah. Uh, 
Dallas Goddard, man. I mean, there's a bunch of tight ends that are now in that Let's range. Let's do the tight end then. Yeah, because there's, there's a couple, man. I mean, Dallas Goddard, I think, look, you, you're you the tight end guy. You know this. And one of the things with tight ends is they are infuriating. You know, uh, mm-hmm. when we've had tight end conversation in the past and specifically about Pitts, I've been I've I've been on record as saying I think Pitts is the best tight end prospect of all time, but it doesn't matter. Like in other words, you know, if you have a talent profile at one position, like especially wide receiver, it basically always translates. It's not like if you're an elite player at, t- at the wide receiver position, it's very very hard for it to not translate. Always well, works, right? Yeah, but you, know, you have you have three three wide receivers on the field all the time. The cream yeah, rises, yeah. man. And cream I rises. swear to God, man, I, I lose followers over this all the time. Like I, my very, that's why I love coming on your show because your, your listeners care. Like they understand yeah. and they get it. Followers of mine, they don't understand when I say fade George Kittle, they say, this right. guy's an idiot. Everyone loves George Kittle. George Kittle's <laughs> awesome. And, and I have to like, if they don't listen to my shows, they don't get to hear me say, I love George Kittle. I don't yeah. have enough characters to say, I love George Kittle. George Kittle but, is a great football player, and I would love to have a beer with him. He seems like a lot of fun, but right. this you know, this team doesn't have enough targets to go around. Like Dallas Goddard, same thing. Dallas Goddard, to me, is a handcuff plus, right? Yeah. He, and the thing is, coming in, I said he's a handcuff plus. I say he has standalone value, but an injury to either Smith or A.J. Brown makes him a gives him real difference making upside right but right now he might not even be a handcuff plus he might just be a handcuff right i mean i know the thing is with the patriots kyle duggar is such a tight end murderer that you have to just forget that game but the fact that he didn't do anything this game either that does hurt right yeah and i look at it and i say okay if jalen hurts is going to distribute the ball the way he's doing it what is exactly the difference between dallas goddard right now and honestly like kate odden Right, like Kate Otten, I look at it and I'm like, okay, if one of Mike Evans or Chris Godwin gets hurt, then Trey now Palmer. let's go, baby. Trey Palmer, dude. Yeah, Bloody, Trey Palmer's who's legit. he who's he splitting snaps with over there? Devin Tompkins, is that uh, what's going on? Something like that. Yeah, the little fast, the little fast guy. I mean, a little bugger. Yeah, I mean, hey, you know what, dude? He is he is next man up territory. Where yep. I would love for that team to be bad and trade Mike Evans. Then yeah. we, you know, like although then, right now Baker's unlocking them, it's crazy. I know. I, I never thought I'd say that. I'll tell you though, it's uh, I say this before. I said this a bunch that it's like the people get so hyped on young quarterbacks and the long term upside that they forget that it's such a difficult position. B- Big Ben Roethlisberger got tired of playing, got tired of getting beat up, but right now he's Big Ben is probably still a better quarterback than Kenny Pickett. You care about the long-term upside of these players. Ooh. I'm just hey, saying. I right, got a question for you. Right this, this was, moment. Hey, listen. Ready? I'm going to put you on the spot. Good. You have Kenny Pickett on your on your Superflex Dynasty squad, okay? Someone offers you Sam Howell straight up. Ooh. Smash Ooh. or pass? I'm sticking with Kenny Pickett. Yo. I'm sticking with Kenny Pickett. I am, and the reason being that I worry with Sam Howell. I think both players, there's three Three types of quarterback, right? There's there's the non-mobile QB. Give me some examples. The guys that have zero interest in running. Right. Jacks. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, I mean, Tom Brady, I know one. There's one. Jared, Jared Goff. Jared Goff, of course. Kirk Cousins. Yeah. Like they don't want to yeah. they don't want to move. Absolutely. And then on the on the other end, you have the actual rushing quarterbacks. Who's a real right. rushing QB? Well, it guy? used to be Justin Fields. They don't do that yeah, anymore. They, he's be, a pocket yeah. player now. They've changed the offense to suit him a little bit better. But right. guys like what Justin Fields used to be, guys like that and Lamar Jackson. And and then there's the middle. And I would say that the rushing QBs, like you could draw the line. Daniel Jones, I think, is the line where it's like I can't really decide. I think he is a rushing QB. Now he is. 
And then in the middle, you have the mobile QBs. And we, I think Lawrence, we have to do Patrick Mahomes. These exactly. Guys. Capable of 250, 300 yards. Yep. Sam Howell, I was hoping he would be a rushing QB, but they're not really designing any. They're not doing designed rushes for him, right? Like he only has like four carries so far. So yeah. why, why think, rush when you're just fucking spitting dimes all over the place? Like, <laughs> he does. He, that was a laser this week. <laughs> but to McLaurin in the end zone, that was, that was oh a my God, throw. amazing. That was throw. Yeah, that, that was sick. But that being said, he, he is in the, he's in the Davis mills zone where Ooh. he needs to absolutely ball out to get, to just get another shot next year. Because here's the big, scary jacks, the big, yeah. scary is that there's a new ownership group in town yeah. and they want to put their stamp on the team. And yep. Jax, what's the, what's the easiest way to put a stamp on a team? Uh, sign Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> I, I, for, honestly, yeah. Dra- draft a QB trade for like yeah. bringing the, Hey, we're new in town. Yeah. Here's your shiny new QB. Russell Here's the hope. You know, it's like, so when, Sam when, has Howell, that ever, when has that ever not worked out, Andrew? And sometimes it doesn't, but sometimes you bring in Matthew Stafford. Sometimes right. you bring in Tom Brady. So, <laughs> right. you know, but I, or just draft a quarterback or yeah. trade up and draft, you know, do what the Panthers did. Right. So like when you're, they're probably so excited about this team. Some of these owners are just, they sit back. They don't care. I ran into Bob Kraft the other day. I ran into I remember in, in the fucking uh, restaurant yeah, in the bar. Yeah, 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 yeah. I ran into him with like with Tony Romo and those guys. And like Bob Kraft, dude, he definitely seemed like a guy who wants to. He's he's kind of hands off here, you yeah. know. So I worry that Sam Howell could just be a a he could get Davis milled. That's all. But yeah, I will say this: if he keeps playing the way he plays, and if I know he can scamper, right? I know we know he can scoot and score yeah. touchdowns from time to time. So I want to see a little more of that. But right now, yeah. it's still got to be Kenny Pickett because yeah. Kenny Pickett can do that too. Remember the fake slide in yeah. college? Yeah. Which, I mean, yeah. that's kind of cheap, it, but it's, it's good. Close run. though, isn't it? It's close. It's way closer than we would have thought. Yeah. Way yeah, closer close. than we would have thought. Yeah. All right. So do, give me your tight ends. We're going to close on. You, you got to, we're going to put our clothes on. Is that what I said? Hold on. Slow yeah, down. Yeah. It's uh, gonna, well, gonna I've, I'm naked. I, on, I've been naked. This. You took yours off, but now we'll put them on. It's not a video yeah. pod. Thank God uh, right. for the people. The people would not like that. I mean, if we had you know different types of guests, I think they would tune in. Well, um, just for the people listening, it's like we just do our best work when we're, you know, in the news. Yes, it's just it's, one, of the, one of the things that we do for sure. It's hot here in California. I just need as much, you know, airflow as possible. Um, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that's what it is. That's really it. Um, but, um, you're speaking of being naked, you're all into tight ends. Um, you know, good segue, great segue, dude. (laughs) Thank you. you. So, uh, you're, you're the tight end whisper, if you will. Um, and, uh, you do the yin yang, uh, tight end, uh, column every week and, you know, let's just talk about tight ends and some of your thoughts. Cause it is, it, it is the most infuriating position in all really? sports. I mean, it's so stupid. It's like it's like relief pitchers in in fantasy baseball. If anybody ever cared about fantasy baseball, it, you know, nobody does. Nobody cares. I certainly don't. I, but, I used to write fantasy baseball articles. And I know. And thank God. I thank God. I don't have to. Like my boss is like, I was like, I'll do it this year, and he was like, No, we don't. We he was like your football. I was like, Oh my God, thank goodness. Thank God. Thank God. Who even yeah. watches baseball anymore? Anyway, tell me. What what I should be paying attention to right now at the tight end position, and, uh, and see if I have anything smart to say with you. Yeah, I mean, so my general philosophy though, for those that might be new to it is the yin and yang tight end, where I have a list of guys I can consider to be the standalone guys, where you only think about bye weeks. Right after that, I'm rostering two. If I waited long enough at tight end, that where I drafted a ton of running backs and wide receivers to start. 
then I can have a bet one bench spot to use on a tight end. I know it's blasphemy to some people that, you know, got their philosophy for tight ends from some magazine in 2005. But in the modern in, in modern times, you need to adjust to the situations like wide receivers are easier to find you don't need to have 17 of them on your bench if you started your draft with five straight wide receivers like everyone does in zero rb so the guys that i trust right now definitively are travis kelsey mark andrews tj hawkinson right those guys for sure end of list i think darren waller i think is still going to be there yeah i suppose just just, he's a little banged up yeah i suppose right George Kittle aside, right? Yeah, yeah. George Kittle and Dallas Goddard were supposed to be on that list, and also Kyle Pitts, but they're Kittle not. and Goddard—they're not now. So after that, I I roster two, and I call it Yin and Yang because I like to have one safe, the safest possible guy to start and 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 not cost me the week. And then on the bench, I have the the highest risk, high highest reward guy. So for me, Kittle and Goddard are now on the Yin side, where if I have those guys, I can't drop them. But I'm gonna I'm gonna use one bench spot on an upside guy. So the upside the 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 true highest risk highest reward guys are Kyle Pitts, right? Because there's still the thought out there that maybe they throw, maybe he he. I mean, he has every stat behind the scene. Everyone, everyone is he, I don't is have to he, go there. Hey, is he now a Yang tight end? Yes, I moved him down. Yeah, yeah. I moved him he's down. He's a Yang tight end. He's like he is. You can't trust bench, him. Yeah, he's a bench but, but you guy. You're hoping couldn't pay off. You look at the A dot. Yeah, crazy. The snap share, top five. Route participation, top five. The average depth of target, like one. Right, like every single thing is there except for the volume. So he's still got to be there. All the rookie tight ends: Dalton Kincaid, Sam Laporta. Oh, not all. Dalton Kincaid, Sam Laporta, Luke Musgrave. I like them all, man. I'm willing to use a bench spot where I need to on those guys. Not Michael Mayer. He's not even playing. Right. Right. Uh, after that. You just got to look at like Dalton Schultz. You, you have to create a narrative for yourself in your mind that's like, okay, who could be a top two target on their team somehow? Somehow. I guess like even like maybe, maybe because like we, Zach Ertz and Hunter Henry, those guys are currently top two targets. Yeah. They might end up on the standalone list. Yeah. If, if Hunter Henry balls out against the Jets this week, which is a tough defense in what should be a low scoring game, I don't see why he wouldn't be a guy that I'm just thinking about bye weeks now, you know? Zachary, so the guy, the guys closest to going up are Henry Ertz and maybe Evan Ingram, where he's kind of boring because he's no longer really like a focal point of the offense, but he's still getting targets every week, right? Yeah. Like if you drafted Evan Ingram, you got to be feeling pretty good about it, right? Yeah, and I, I think Hunter Henry's the other guy. I mean, Hunter Henry, you know, yeah. was a sneaky play for me all all off season. I felt like he was, you know, because everybody was thinking Gasicki was going to take his role, and I thought. Actually, this is even better for Hunter Henry's usage because, as we know, Mike Kosicki is a slot wide receiver. He is yes. not a tight end. So we knew that actually Mike Kosicki was not going to take tight end snaps away from Hunter Henry. If anything, it was going to increase the amount of tight end snaps that Hunter Henry was going to play because there's no longer a tight end behind him. It's a, you know, so go ahead. So here's the curveball is that I thought that that would lead Hunter Henry to the real like behind the scenes death killer for tight ends, which is blocking on pass plays. Right. Hunter Henry is not blocking on any pass plays. He's running virtually every route, man. This is the 2011 Bill O'Brien Patriots, which at the time was Rob Gronkowski was the tight end and he was the tight end one in fantasy. 
And the move tight end playing a ton of slot and even in the backfield was yeah. Aaron Hernandez. And yeah. he was tight end three in fantasy. And yeah. all while that was going on, Wes Welker got 173 targets. Oh, yeah. Now, I know they had Tom Brady then. Yeah. But like, right. if they're recreating that offense and Kendrick Bourne or Juju or whoever is Wes Welker. Demario Douglas. Demario Douglas, you know, yeah. probably the most impressive six snaps I've seen from a player. <laughs> Of like he's every time he's in the game he gets the ball right dude, so, he's so sick yeah the dude Devonte Parker played every snap this week hundred percent yeah he is going to get absolutely vaporized this week by yeah. DJ Reed and Sauce Gardner but after that maybe we'll can maybe he might be like a post like after this week maybe I might slide him on a bench but like he's gonna he's gonna be the sacrificial lamb this week but no doubt. I mean, G- Gusecki I'm throwing in in DFS lineups and Hunter Henry I'm throwing in real lineups for this week alone. Yeah. Uh, the guys that we're real scared of, he's like, and I'm going to, again, it's two-week sample size, but people need check in with me on Kittle, Goddard, Pat Fryermuth. My goodness, that's, yeah, that's awful. Rough. David Njoku's rough. Like, honestly, I look around. Jake Ferguson, people love him, but he he hasn't, he's yet to play more than 50% of the snaps in, in a game yet. So I need to see that ramped up. If you're looking for, like, really safe guys, there are some sneaky ones out there, uh, like, if you just need somebody to knock you to a zero, Durham Smythe. It might yeah. sound crazy. No, I, he's not. rostered for, on my Scott Fishbowl team. I have him and Kylan Granson on my Scott <laughs> Fishbowl team because it's super tight end premium. Yes. And like three catches for 36 yards is like 28 points or some shit. You know? Three <laughs> catches against Kyle Duggar is like amazing, right? Like yeah. Durham Smythe, the fact that he caught a pass at all had yes. me like, okay, he's running 97% he's, of the rounds. No it, one's it, even close. Dude, he did this last year. He did right. this last year. And this is one of the reasons I have Durham Smythe on like a lot of like deep dynasty leagues because – I was like, look, he's playing. I don't know what that means, but I do know that the only way that you can score fantasy points is if you're on the field. That motherfucker's on the field. And then they got rid of Mike Gesicki. So I was like, well, they're going to play him, man. He's. I kept saying, there's no, I'm like, there's no way he's going to be George Kittle in this offense. Dude, they're using him like George Kittle. I I thought, so I thought this team was going to be. He looks pretty good. Yeah, yeah, he looks fine. I I thought he was going to be a shoe in. This team would be a shoe in to get Dalton Schultz. And it turns out that. better. He's better. He's right. dude. Schultz is a bum. And the thing about Schultz, the thing, well, the thing with Schultz is the same group of people from the Shanahan tree building the same offense in in Houston when yeah. got Schultz right. Yeah. So they were, you know, it's like why pay up? But yeah, Durham's might might be. I mean, I moved him up in in the Yin rankings. The the problem is he can never be on the Yang side or on the standalone side with Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle there. I heard right? you uh, I heard you with the uh the the take on uh Fantasy Mansion uh with um uh Smart double Stone T smart. smart and he got Stone, a catch. He got Stone a 21 smart. yard catch. Yeah. yeah, dude, yo, so if you look at that, it. you see the snaps from this week? Donald Parham led with like 34 and Gerald Everett had 28 and then Stone Smart had 22. So, wow. yo, okay. look out. Dog. Hey, well, what about my guy, Tegan Quintarino or whatever his name is? Because he caught some balls in uh, Houston, too. Yeah, for Houston. I mean, that, that's a deep. That's my. I thought, dude, when I was listening to the show, I thought you were going to drop that name as your deep guy. I was like, all right, smart. That's fine. Yeah. But I thought we, you were had drop that, my, we had that one Tegan. week on Twitter on the DFS week, right? Yeah. The, yeah. So we were in with that with Tegan. No, but Stone Smart, he's my super duper deep. People ask me who's the deepest player. It used to be this guy, Eli Wolf. Did uh, Tegan play though a lot? I, I didn't look at uh, the snaps. Do you have they? Other, so no, I, I was looking at it in the first week he did, but the second week Tank Dell played more. So they went from a lot of two tight end sets to. So unfortunately, you're because you like Tank Dell too. I know, right? I, I've just been asking, dude. Every show at the end of every show, I've been asking, dude. Is it possible? Is it possible that Tank Dell is good? 
right? Right. Because so. like, look, this has been this has been my thing. Like you and I talked about it off air when we were preparing for the show, which we didn't really prepare. We just talked shit all day, which was a lot of, of fun. But yeah. we were talking yeah. about like the numbers and everything. Dude, when I started my process for the rookie players, um, you know, this off season, whatever it was, February or whatever it is, you know, earlier than that, you know, January, February, I looked at the numbers like, dude, who's this Tank Dell? His name was Tank. So I'm like, <laughs> let me look him up. He's probably like a big fucking guy. I mean, he's dominating. He's got touchdowns and he's got like a hundred catches like what the fuck this guy must be good let me look five five one whatever i'm like dude it's so it's him you know who he's a switch with he's a switch nicknames with is will jordan humphrey Lil Jordan Humphrey, exactly. That's, those are Lil, Lil, Lil Jordan Humphrey is 6'4", 225. Precisely. And, he needs and to be Tank Dell. Dell is 5'8". Yeah, it should be, it should be Tank Humphrey yes. and, and Lil, and Lil Nathaniel, Dell. Yeah. Lil Nathaniel Dell. <laughs> Lil Nathaniel Dell. I love it. So listen. So listen. Then I put on – I'm like, well, let me watch this little motherfucker play because, I mean, obviously this is going to be some schemed up bullshit. And so I put the tape on and this guy is just – fucking winning everywhere on the field and of course clayton tunes tuning them up like it's just like unbelievable i'm like this is sick and i i was like okay grain of salt grain of salt grain of salt this is lower level competition but like this guy's fucking open all the time and he's like celebrating the end zone every other play i'm like oh my god so then senior bowl what happens to the senior bowl senior bowl is like literally the best cornerback class we've had in years at the senior bowl and all of them are like, fuck that. Don't want to cover tank Dell, whatever I do. Like they, they were like, you know how when you're in line and like you count one, two, three, one, two, three, you're like, who's there. They're like letting each other cut to like not fucking guard tank Dell. Like nobody wanted to cover this guy. He yes. was open all day long at the senior bowl. I'm like, well, that's a good data point. I don't know. Like, and then what did they say? Well, it's kind of, you know, this, this senior bowl is kind of like a format. That's kind of perfect for Mr. Tank Dell. I mean, once he gets to the NFL, it won't work. I'm like, maybe, I don't know. It worked for him here, worked for him analytically, worked for him on film, worked for him at the senior bowl. Like, yes, I understand he's five, five, a hundred, nothing, but is it possible he's good? And everybody's like, no, no, too small. I'm like, I don't know. Maybe he's good. And then uh, Stroud basically says, do whatever you need to do to draft that motherfucker. That's my favorite guy. They do. They draft the quarterback's like favorite guy. Is it possible that Tank Dell is good? I, I ask mean, you, Andrew Cooper. I'll tell you, well, I mean, there's something to be said about these guys that are just faster, shiftier than everybody else. Like, look at Tyreek Hill. He's just, no matter what it is, he's just faster than everybody, you know? Yeah. And I will say this. My thought process on this changed when I talked to Brandon Huffman. Um, not sure if you pretty he's like a pretty he kind of he kind of pioneered the high school to college scouting, right? Yeah. And this guy said that he goes, here's the first thing that I do before I get into the metrics, all that stuff, is I figure out is that does this guy have what it takes? Like, is this guy a baller? And like you can only do that talking to these guys. And we were talking about tight ends, he and I, because he played tight ends. So I was like, You were coming on my show, and we're talking about just about tight ends, right? And uh without Without uh, prompting, he mentioned, he was like, look, he's like, some of these guys just have it. It doesn't matter size, speed, whatever. And unprompted, when we're talking about tight ends, he mentioned three players. He mentioned Bryce Young. He mentioned Josh Downs from UNC. And he mentioned Tank Dell. Mm. And he was like, first and foremost, you look for that. And he goes, then after that, you figure out how do they fit your scheme? How do you know, do they, like, obviously, if you need a split end, you don't go out and you draft tanked out, right? Mm-hmm. Like, but for having a shifty slot guy, they have Nico Collins. Nico Collins is he's built like Kenny Galladay, right? Like he can play split end. And they have Robert Woods and John Mechie who can play flanker. Yeah. So they just need that shifty guy. And 
perfect fit for this team, right? Yes. So, you know, it, it's, uh, I don't see why not. That's the thing. But what we really truly need for him to be unlocked, and this is the difference maker, and you know I got to go, so I'm going to yep. leave everybody with this last note. Yep. With these players, the key to the slot guys is to become a full-time player. There are no good slot wide receivers in the NFL. There are no good pure slot wide receivers because if you're Tyler Boyd and you come out of the game for T. Higgins and Jamar Chase, you can't have the upside. The right. guys that we call quote unquote slot wide receivers, the Cooper Cups, the Chris Godwins, the Keenan Allens, they play slot in three wide receiver sets. And when it's time for two wide receiver sets, they are too good to come off the field. Please so whoever see. the other guy is comes out. Yep. That is the king role. The king yes. role is being CD Lamb. CD Lamb, 47 slot snaps this week, which yep. obviously with the Jets is the, the cheat code beating yep. the Jets. Yeah, yeah, because yep. those guys don't go in there. Yep. So like that is the number one. That like that is the king's role, right? Yes. So if you can get that job and be that guy, then that's what's up. So Tank Dell for key number one, become the slot guy. He's yep. done that. Now when they go to three wide receiver sets, he needs to be the guy. The problem and, is, and, and who knows? That may that, or may not happen, Andrew. But like right. you know, Edelman was probably like the best version of maybe not quite the king, although he did play a lot of right. two wide receiver sets to be to quite be a fair. ton. Well, but and he, they played a lot of three wide receiver. Edelman, pl- Edelman yeah. is a perfect example because if yes. you go back and look at the numbers, he played a ton outside. Yes, and the reason it has to happen with the Texans is this: the this team uses a fullback, which means the third wide receiver is out, dude. If you look at the 49ers, who this offense is based on. Kyle Juszczyk yeah. plays so much that you can never have a third wide receiver. Correct. The, the Dolphins use the same offense. Alec Ingold, right? Plays yep. 40% of the snaps. You'll never have a third wide receiver. Yep. This team uses Andrew Beck at fullback. Even 10% of the snaps, 15% of the snaps, you it's can't have three. It's too much, yeah. yeah. I mean, if you if you take the Andrew Beck snaps plus the Quinn, uh, you know, the Tegan Quintoriano snaps, that right there, if it totals 15%, you don't have a third guy, so he needs to he needs to just beat out Robert Woods. And he needs to beat out uh, John Mechie, and I think it's entirely possible. And Lord knows we can't take away a single Tegan Contoriano. <laughs> you can't take a single one, <laughs> not a single one. So you know I'm, I'm going to bind here with this Tegan Quintoriano versus Tank Dell situation. I mean, I got to lose one way, but no, I'm only teasing. Thank you for yeah. coming on the show, brother. I am Love I am convinced. Buddy. I am really convinced that this Tank Dell thing is going to work out. I think he's a really good player, and and God bless him. I mean, it's so much fun to watch. I mean, now we just need Deuce Vaughn to to dominate, and we've got the All Star five five uh, you know starting lineup, and I, it's just unbelievable. I I love these guys. So I love it, dude. You got to root for him. You yep. got to root for him, man. So Th- thanks for uh, coming on, man. You're you're really awesome. Do do me a favor. Quick shout out to your articles and where you can find them because I didn't hit you up on the on the on the outset. Oh, no, we're good, man. Follow me on Twitter at Coop A Fiasco. I retweet everything. The links are all in there. Easiest, easiest way to find my stuff. Uh, it's all on Fantasy Alarm. And my shows, if you want to check out my deep dive shows, uh, 1 to 2 p.m. on Mondays and Fridays, uh, Coop's Fantasy Football Fiasco. We have good guests. We hang tight. Jax, I know your schedule. I'm going to get you to find a way to come on that show. So we're going to make that work. Uh, okay. But yeah. Check me out. That's where my stuff's at. It's all on YouTube. It's all it's on Spotify. It's on Apple. Uh, you know, it's on everything. You you, you can't you can't not find it. Coop's fancy football fiasco. And you can't not like Andrew Cooper. Just an awesome dude. Gang, Every gang. time he's on, I feel better after talking to him. I'm sure you all feel better after listening to the show. So thank you so much for tuning in. And on behalf of everybody here at the Undroppables, on behalf of everybody here at the Undrafted. 
And on behalf of my somewhat guest and producer, Mr. Michael P. Duncan, you have been joined by the fiasco, Andrew Cooper. I am Jax Falcone, and we are out. Out.